Hello, loyal listeners. Do you know how I know that your loyalty is lasting and unassailable? Because you listen. You listen long and good. Like in that movie Sandlot, when the boy pulls the caper, pretends he's drowning at the deep end of the pool, and the hot lifeguard dives in to save him, gives him mouth to mouth, he starts chuckling, she realizes in a whirlwind of events what happened. He kissed her. He kissed her long and good. Hilarious. But you listen, audience, to the full sessions and the shortened sessions. You gift me feedback and pass Mr. Prophet's magnum opus along to your compadres. I thank you, here and F-Stars now. Your loyalty will carry us through this session as well, and an indeterminate litany of more sessions to come. I hope you are having a lethargic day, but sip or shoot an energy drink. Bite into a lime. My boy Lambro and others have assured me that the lime has medicinal properties for any conceivable ailment. Lambro takes two shots to the shin, pow pow, rubs a little bit of lime juice on there, heals in two days. It's ridiculous. Coupled with these sessions, a lime may just be the panacea for your daily grind. I may now say unwind with lime, the daily grind. <laughs> That's preposterous. A lime can't make you laugh. Not like this, mofo. Welcome to a very special hot topic, hot button, hot seat, hot flash session, day chemohawk. Today we pull the pin on the explosively entertaining episode 21. 21, a milestone. What is the significance of the number 21, you ponder? Refill your adult F-Stars beverage whilst on your white-collar clock, and I shall share. See, audience, I believe that if you're working virtually, you should drink on the clock. Not every day, not to excess, but it is a perk and a privilege to be working from home. So I highly entertain the idea, if we are following the philosophy of living your life to the full, that you put your liquor and your spirits into a sippy 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 cup and you sip away. There's no reason why you cannot be completely comfortable in your domicile. 21, episode 21. It is a winning effing hand in the card game Blackjack. Also, the number 21 has symbolic meaning in many traditions, special significance in various scriptures. According to the Bible study site, it symbolizes willful wickedness. Ooh, I'm liking that alliteration. It is closely related to the number 13, which symbolizes sin, rebellion, and depravity. Hey, Sometimes two out of three ain't bad. Remember the seven deadly sin urges. We are all guilty of sin and synergies. Adding eight, which symbolizes fullness and eternity to 13, yields 21, representing complete wickedness or an increased level of sin. As 21 is so rife with sinful surroundings, it is only proper and fitting that we proceed as follows. Drink on the white collar clock, the WCC white collar clock. Do it, audience, if you're working from home. You'll get caught if you do it at a building or warehouse or in person. As this is a trenchant, touchy, touchy topic, there will be a minimum of two chapters devoted to die slash high versity. Welcome, dear listeners, to chapter 21, White Collar, Black Belt, The Lie of Die Versity, Harmony versus Diversity in a Workplace Conductor's Choir. Why is this episode titled The Lie of Die Versity? Oh, we will explore that completely and gut that topic within an inch of its life. There is a stalking, hunting, killing, cleaning reference for my boy Brooks. My brother Brooks enjoying his pricey patch of land where wild animals roam there in Texas. It reminds me of that patriotic cowboy song, Home on the Range, which I have altered for purposes of a brief singing rendition of my version. Here goes nothing. Brother Brooks bought a home where slow buffalo roam, where deer and antelope are slain. Seldom heard peep 
from Junkie Prowler Creep as he stops hollow points with his brain. Fresh meat in Brooke's sights, muzzle ignites, pop goes the cork on open range champagne. That song is for you, Brother Brooks. Let's define our variables. We have a term starts with the prefix die or dis. Discord. Definition. Disagreement between people. Synonyms. Strife, conflict, friction, hostility, disagreement. In a musical production, discord is a lack of harmony between notes sounding together. Dissonance, discordance, disharmony, cacophony, jarring, jangling. Now the author Dean Kunst loves to drop the word cacophony like 16 times in a chapter. I distinctly remember seeing that word relentlessly in some of my favorite readings of his. You can understand the prefix die. Word forming element of Greek origin meaning two, double, twice, twofold. And in Latin meaning apart or asunder. It's instructive that the modern word diversity is rooted in a Latin word that signified disagreement. Because perhaps the primary reason the Roman Empire crumbled was because it spread itself too thin and allowed incursions from non-Roman ethnic elements. Diversity's weight proved too much for the empire to sustain itself. Now this all goes back to the etymology of the word diversity. These are factual translations of the root word and how it is applied. Have you ever heard the term double standard in general at work? I have studied this term, its etymology and sociological applications. I have decided that the term double standard is too soft. Let's call it a complicit contradiction. Boom. More alliteration. I love alliteration. Boom. Woo! Amazing alliteration. I am on a mother F-stars, C F-stars roll. When I think of misunderstanding and misapplication of the dangerous diversity term in the workplace, I suffer a bad feeling, and some quotes reveal themselves to me. This is from Lex Luthor in Smallville. I don't know. Just got a bad feeling. Kind of like when you can smell the air change before a storm. Quote, How can you govern a country which has 246 varieties of cheese? Charles de Gaulle. Another quote, In this country, we have no place for hyphenated Americans. Theodore Roosevelt. I think of America and its melting pot as a macrocosm for this microcosm issue of what we see in the WCC. For this episode, I will talk a little bit about the country and I will talk about its application in a more singular example of the white collar environment. We may be complex life forms, but we can be dense and simple minded creatures sometimes. On account of the influx of diversity, everyone is far more sensitive and in that fear of not stepping on eggshell sensibilities, the truth has somehow been clouded and lost. I think truth is more important, valuable, and lasting than the throwaway term lie of diversity. Ancient scholars, philosophers, and brilliant minds alike, far and wide, have struggled to understand and pursue universal truth. But they ain't hopping on no midnight trains to the diversity depot. Truth subsumes this throwaway notion of diversity. I will explain more. When the nefarious and stupefying attacks occurred over 20 years ago, on that terrible day in September, the board of players and stage of puppets was presented two sides, and only two sides, on their turn. You are either with us or against us. There is a simplicity in that clarity. You should not have to think too hard or ponder too long to decide which player or puppet you are going to be. There was a unification that occurred. We were able to rally around a common cause, similar to World War II. And it was rousing, and it was impressive. Sadly, today, we are so divisive and cutthroat in our ideologies, I do not know if we will ever 
truly experience unification again. But I hope we do. It is these white-collar companies that play a large and integral part of America at large. It would only make sense that we understand how diversity is to be properly applied at the white-collar companies, and then maybe it will resonate with a wider audience. That's what I meant when I said the white-collar company is a microcosm of diversity, and the melting pot of America is a macrocosm, a larger representation of it. In the workplace, unification is demanded from you, and diversification takes a back F-star's seat. Diversity works with your caloric intake and nutrition, i.e. eat a variety of foods, you'll live longer. The more different foods you can introduce to your body, you're providing it with different nutrients that it may not have seen or experienced ever or in several months. Diversity with your diet is two thumbs up, A+. Diversification in your financial portfolio, also very shrewd business acumen. But that is more about not housing all of your eggs in the same effing picnic basket. Your WCC claims, as mine did, I don't know about you or your company, but based on what I experienced firsthand and what I've witnessed with some companies, I believe that it's possible that your WCC claims that they want all things diverse. They use words like diversity, inclusion, with each being just as special, no less magnificent than the prior or the former or the subsequent. It is a lie, dear audience, the lie of diversity. Disharmony does not work in a choir, opera, or symphonic production. Why would you ever stick a ragtag band of disharmonious parties under an umbrella and expect them to have F-star synergy with their collection of singing voices? It doesn't work. In fact, if you're listening to a musical production, you can almost identify instantly the person who's out of tune. Apparently, we learned that in the ornithology world, if you have seagulls and other various cultures of birds, if a seagull is born with the bad luck of having a different color pattern than the other seagulls in that flock, they will peck them to death. The birds take it seriously. I don't know if that's where the expression birds of a feather flock together originated, but I was very shocked to learn that seagulls will kill their own if they break the formation or the color pattern. All this to say that if you put different sounds together, it will not create a palatable or mellifluous to the ears musical production. It will not work. You have too many people at cross purpose pulling the sounds in different directions. Your white collar company may boast that they seek diversity and inclusion, but all they really want is blind obedience a capable life form to crank out widgets and carry out their bidding blindly. Their talk of diversity is pandering and window dressing at its finest. What would impress the Mohawk off my scalp is if they were candid and stated in their mission statement and advertisements that they sought one harmonic crew. They want harmony and agreement and for their minions to be of one mind, one message. That verisimilitude would be refreshing. Because they're lying when they say they care about diversity. They don't care about diversity. They just want to look good for social media, the papers. They want to put themselves in a position where they are insulated from rebuke or from lawsuit or for any sort of litigious affair. I can tell you why I believe they do not care about diversity as we proceed. When we are in the hurt locker, we must unite, coalesce, amalgamate, harmonize, and F-star synthesize. It works for the country unification, banding together against a common enemy, a common detriment, a common initiative. It is what made the F-Stars pirates so effective, lethal, and successful. It was the pirates against the rest of the world. You're either with us or against us. And man, did they have a heck of a recruiting pattern. They picked their side and stayed there. Your company wants the exact same thing, whether they advertise it or not. We have spoken about this before with the buzzsaw words, buzzsaw, towing the company line taking ownership, 
Chain letters of command. Your company wants you to fall in F-Star's line. Basic training in the military, very similar. They don't care about where you came from, what your background is, what hairdo you have. They want you to tow the effing line. They want you to fall in line while towing the company line. They don't care what make, model, color, how glossy and vibrant your hair or receding hairline slash baldness. They don't care if you wear polos or t-shirts, dress with class or crassly. They don't care if you are a mother, married, or a single F-Star's parent, if you've had tummy tucks or use Rogaine. They don't care if you are 31 or 63, green, pink, or some hybrid color of the two. Grink? Peen? Ugh, that doesn't sound like an attractive color. If you identify as straight, crooked, walk down two alleys, and require three separate bathrooms just for each conflicting sex organ you muster, they do not care. They want unity, harmony, and F-Star's blind obedience. They do not care about those diverse characteristics that make you, you. You know what your company is interested in? How you can be used and useful. Do you speak multiple languages with aplomb? Now that is a cultural characteristic that they do concern themselves with. If you're bilingual, trilingual, quadlingual, that is something that you can use to maybe even get a higher salary because there is clearly a need for companies to be able to communicate with a wider audience. So I will concede that being able to speak multiple languages can often be a cultural attribute and it can be something that you can use to your advantage. But that is a rare example that I was able to muster. Do you have advanced degrees in business, ethics, marketing? Do you have connections to ambassadors, kings, dukes, or earls who matter? Do you have an actionable, coveted resource that is in high F-Star's demand? For example, the Jenners, the Beyonce's, and the Kardashians of the world, they were able to give themselves a voice and a financial voice because of how many followers they have. They dictate in a very direct way the market and shopping and what sales and what's popular and what's trending. Because of hundreds of millions of followers, they are able to demand salaries, and they are able to demand commissions, and they are able to get sponsors, not because of any collegiate experience or technical skill, they just have become manipulators of the media, and people seem to like watching them. They have been able to create a niche for themselves just because there are so many people who are turning in right or wrong to what they have to say and what they have to sell. That is another modern example of a resource that you could have that a company would be interested in. If you have, say, 150 million followers, you might just get that raise that you requested. But you're going to be walking around in an umbrella or a poncho or wearing a fanny pack with your company's logo on it everywhere you go. You mark my words. I know politics and politicking and white-collar shark-infested waters are rife. But with this fast-moving, regionally-blended portfolio of staff, the advent of the virtual reality of mobile working, it is less likely that you know your boss from the same neighborhood you grew up in. The company sees you as nothing more, oftentimes, than a walking, talking, expendable resource. I'm reminded of that scene in Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers. Dutch says to his former buddy Dylan, What happened to you, Dylan? You used to be someone I could trust. Dylan says, I woke up. Why don't you? You're an asset, an expendable asset. And I used you to get the job done. Got it? Does that sound familiar? Has your company ever made you feel like you are an expendable asset? Much to your chagrin. Maybe if you do the Arnold Schwarzenegger scream, you might get your way. Do it. I dare you. They do not see you as a treasured, diverse life form who is valuable just because of your color, orientation, gender, or age. Nope, 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 nope. They do not care about where you came from. They just want to know with how much dexterity can you fasten widgets in the workplace assembly line, and can you cow to corporate pressure and bow to the workplace boss. That is what they want. For me, 
A very revelatory moment came when I realized a glaring contradiction with diversity in the workplace. Say that your company hires a guy from formerly Calcutta, now Kolkata, India, because your company maintains a posture and position of diversity. How does this individual from their native Kolkata change the price of how we subrogate, for example, in my former department? Does the fact that he or she is from India change how we pursue responsible parties? hire attorneys on specific files, send someone to collections, how we argue, negotiate, how we are vanquished that quarter, or taste victory? The answer eludes me. But here is the irony. Here is an example of his former locale, Kolkata, India, coming in handy. He or she calls a customer, and they start in with the perfunctory pleasantries before the bad news is delivered. And make no mistake, in my former department, we were delivering bad news like storks dropping babies. And lo and behold, the customer that this person is on the phone with is also formerly from Calcutta, now Kolkata, India. Maybe they lived in the same F-Stars neighborhood. What a teeny tiny planet we live on. Come to discover, they are from the same borough, village, or parish. They both light up with the light, chat, and laugh a long time. Do you detect the irony here, dear audience? This person, per the WCC doublespeak, was hired because the WCC caters to all nationalities, races, cultures, and geographies. I mean, between you and me, they do not give a flying F-stars where this person is from. They just need a warm body in a cold seat to call angry mammals. But this man or woman is the happiest when they locate someone just like them, from an old neighborhood, a close friend, perhaps kin, birds of a feather audience. Do you know what brings us closer together as people? Commonalities, not egregious extreme differences. I understand the notion that opposites attract, but I believe opposites attract applies to more of a biological perspective. The opposite sexes attract because they must. If the opposite sex was unattracted to each other, you would have no procreation, you would have no life, it would be book of F-stars Eli around these parts. And that would be a sad day. It is commonalities, that is what you share with people, things that you agree on. Yes, there is healthy debate. Some of my colleagues were sports guys. I do not proclaim or embolden myself as a sports guy. I didn't follow sports. This made it harder for me to fit in. I had less to talk about, less to bond over. There was not that instant connection camaraderie for me as we had disparate interests. Did I go to complain to HR that there needs to be less talk around the workspace and the workplace about sports because I feel left out? I feel like the last man at the campsite? No, I just understand that people are interested in, in, in different things and they pursue differing interests. You know who I would have gotten along swimmingly with? Someone who was a cinephilic poet, who loved both films and poems in equal measure. There were none. Did I feel neglected, marginalized, mistreated? No. I understood and still understand that different effing people like different effing things and are from different father F-stars backgrounds and we do not all get the F-stars along. Should a disparate collection of carbon-based lifeforms be collectively tossed in the white-collar thrasher? Think on it. Here is my serial number theory. You assign each workplace sheeple a serial number. You remember sheeple people, bam, they have a baby, you're a sheeple, you remember audience. But you give everyone a serial number. You never know their age, race, persuasion, gender, none of that. You just see their serial numbers specifically tailored for them and their work product in a virtual medium. All communication is done through typed communication. If you must use the phone, you and your boss both have voice scramblers on, so you cannot even make out what sex they are based on the baritone or the falsetto or the timbre in their voice. You can't tell. You never talk about your personal life, as you are not paid to talk about what goes on outside your work window. 
You keep all dialogue and all conversations specifically work-related. I'll tell you one thing. I believe it was Google, but I can't remember 100%. But there was an up-and-coming company that decided they were they were going to pay their staff for a 40-hour work week, but they were only required to work 32 hours or four days a week. The idea was that when you are forcing 40 hours of productivity out of people, you're losing a lot of that time while they talk at the watering hole. You're losing it through BS. You're losing it through sports talk, fantasy drafts, what I had for lunch and how poorly I digested it. All that BS, not work-related, they were losing productivity to those dialogues. If you assign everyone a number and you never asked them any questions about their personal life and you paid them to crank out a product or a service, I believe you would be amazed at the amount of lawsuits, harassment claims. You would be stupefied by the amount of actual factual work that was accomplished and was not lost to BS dialogue. There could be no claims of favoritism, sexism, racism, nepotism, ageism, or confusionism. That is what I call people who refuse to identify with the gender. You're confused. Unless they had an odd predilection to a certain digit sequence, you would chiefly, if not completely, be judged on your work. What a novel concept. Because remember, with diversity comes the prospect and the potential likelihood of favoritism. In other words, if we know that people with similar interests get along, and we know that people that are from the same suburb or from the same parish in India would be so happy to run into each other because of all that would mean for them in commonality and history, I would say it would be hard to not assume that people that have similar interests and that have the same background, look the same, act the same, have the same regional dialect, how can you tell me that they would not just subconsciously even be more kind or more forgiving of someone that they feel they had things in common with, whether it was a physical trait or an internal trait? Either way, you would cut down on any possible favoritism if you didn't know jack shiz about the person that was working under you. You were only judging them on what they cranked out work-wise. I think it's a brilliant idea. Unfortunately, it would probably only work in a virtual situation. I wasn't there to be friends with my boss. If my boss was friendly and we got along, great. It's not like we're pals, although that would not necessarily be spurned, but that can get into some pretty shaky territory. I just wanted to be evaluated fairly for my work. I believe that's what everyone wants if they work hard. I thought, for example, my life or death encounter and almost year-long cancer battle would buy me some cred and earn me some latitude. It did not. If being a human and using what they know about your circumstances did not help me, then they are not skilled at being humans. Therefore, give us numbers and never know anything about us. To me, it is the only way to be fair, blind, and F-stars impartial. Lady Justice has a blindfold on her face. Okay, I'm not making it up. Here's a quote. There are not more than five musical notes, yet the combinations of these five give rise to more melodies than can ever be heard. There are not more than five primary colors, yet in combination, they produce more hues than can ever be seen. There are not more than five cardinal tastes, yet combinations of them yield more flavors than can ever be tasted. Sun Tzu, The Art of War. If your company has the insight and intuition to apply diversity properly and understand the meant intention behind it, then bully for your company. But when they mishandle such a fragile state of affairs, you have collective confusion. I will declare here in F-Stars now that if we utilize this English language that we have all agreed upon, then we must not turn a blind, freshly pepper-sprayed eye to the prefix of words, the suffix of words, nor the root of said words. I take issue with the glaring connotations inherent in the root and etymology of diversity. It effed up a symphonic musical composition, opus, disharmony, discord, and so too can it F-stars up an organization if not properly understood. This has been a heavy 
but very vital episode. So allow me to soothe you with a hilarious personal nugget. I tell you to drink during this podcast. I remind you, drink when you're in a virtual paradigm and you are working from home. Please drink while on the clock. Do it. It is your privilege. Drinking to excess. Sometimes it can be catastrophic, but sometimes it can save your life. This professor that I've alluded to a few times in some prior podcasts, a real hero of mine, he was gone for about eight weeks and we had a substitute. He then returned and he was about 60 pounds lighter. And we were very curious. We said, professor, what happened? He said, well, I can start with a four-word introduction. Beer saved my life. This guy had some four-wheelers and he had a lot of land out in Montgomery County. So he was doing what any 50-year-old man would do. He was drinking beer after beer after beer on the cooler on the porch, got bored. The more beers he got, his bravery shot up, and he decided to get on a four-wheeler and act a fool. And in acting a fool on said four-wheeler, woo, it was like a destruction derby in a small town. He hit a telephone pole, flew off, instantly broke his back. Now, Back broken, lying in the hospital bed, convalescing. They had him for observation. They performed some surgery. And because of him laying there helpless, they were able to conduct some tests and to run some studies. And they found that he had cancer on one of his kidneys, which they then removed. Beer saved his F-Star's life. If he had not been drinking the beer, he would have never found the courage to do the four-wheeling at a high rate of speed or broken his back, wound up in the hospital. They would have never been able to find the cancerous kidney. So how about that? Beer can save a life, audience. What an outlook. What an effing outlook. Drink that second F-star shot, Merrick. I like my effing liquor, Al. A trade in you that gave me early hope. I've dropped that dialogue on you from Deadwood before. I'm dropping it again. Drink, audience. Irish whiskey all the way. I used to imbibe the Irish car bombs. If that term Irish car bomb offends you, or if the Kobe crispy well-done beef helicopter in the video game prior references inflame you, if me offering a metaphorical middle finger to my former employer incenses you, if referring to the power of the WC conglomerate is akin to an overseer, and I felt enslaved by the system, by the manacles of the machine in my WC cell, if that leaves a sour taste in your mouth, drink some of that aforementioned energy drink mixed with whiskey and let's go! Let's laugh off a storm and take the world by that same storm. Liversity. Highversity. We will talk about hiversity, which is very similar in a future episode. But diversity in your workplace is a lie, dear audience. It is being grossly misapplied. These are far more apt terms based on what I have witnessed unfold before my peepers at my former WCC. Thank you, loyal listeners, for your perpetual loyalty and keen listening skills. It is of vital value and relevance to touch such touchy topics, as dialogue is what reminds us of our faults, foibles, and fragility. And be not fooled, dear audience, in this contemporary consumer culture and coddled climate, we are extremely frangible. Frangible, that's your word of the day, it means breakable. Use it. Use it, dear audience. Tune in soon as we deep dive and swim with calming strokes. Chapter 22, White Collar, Black Belt, The Rift of Gab, a seven deadly synergy session on Colgab Oration. Balsetto out.